Welcome to Leading the Rounds. In this episode, we will discuss fee-for-service medicine and how alternative models of care, including DPC, direct primary care, could be the fix for our broken healthcare system. In this episode, we interviewed Dr. Paul Thomas. Dr. Paul Thomas is a board-certified family medicine physician and the founder of Plum Health Direct Primary Care in Detroit, Michigan. His mission is to deliver affordable, accessible healthcare services in Detroit and beyond. He has been featured in the news and was an invited speaker at TEDx Detroit. He's a graduate of Wayne State University School of Medicine and now a clinical assistant professor there. He is the author of two books, Direct Primary Care, The Cure for Our Broken Healthcare System, and Startup DPC, How to Start and Grow Your Direct Primary Care Practice. We hope you enjoy our stimulating discussion with a leader in direct primary care. Welcome to Leading the Round. So, hey, everybody, welcome to today's show. We're so glad to have Paul Thomas on with us. Paul is a direct primary care physician at Plum Health Detroit. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me on here. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, Paul, one thing we wanted to start out and ask you is to describe fee-for-service medicine and how direct primary care is different than the typical model. Yeah, in the typical model, all patients must have some form of insurance. And the crime with that is that it leaves so many million Americans out of health care opportunities just because they don't have health insurance. For example, in Michigan, if you make $17,000 a year, you are disqualified from Medicaid. But if you make $20,000 a year, you can't necessarily afford private health insurance. And that's where a lot of bartenders, truck drivers, sometimes teachers find themselves in that position where they make too much to qualify for Medicaid, but not enough to afford private health insurance. So they fall in this gap. And in the fee-for-service system, the health insurance system, those patients just don't have access to care. With direct primary care, we don't bill or use insurance at all. And instead, our patients pay us $50 a month so they can come see us whenever they need to, as long as they pay us that $50 a month. So we can see everyone of all income levels, regardless of their insurance coverage. So I know a lot of people have equated direct primary care to concierge medicine. Is it the same thing? Could you talk a little bit about how it's different or what your opinion of that is? Yeah, I think they're completely different. Concierge medicine is really for the top 3% to 7% income earners. So if you are the CEO or the COO of a company or you make over $300,000 a year, you probably would want to have a concierge doctor, somebody who can call anytime you need to. Your time is really valuable. Um, But everyone's time is valuable. And people realize that they don't want to wait two hours to see their doctor for 10 minutes. And so a lot of people are choosing direct primary care, which is kind of like a concierge level of care, but for everyone. And it's accessible for everyone because the price point is affordable for everyone. I say, if you have an income, you can afford direct primary care. In concierge medicine, you must have some sort of high-end insurance product or they won't see you. And the cost is $2,400 each year. That's the average cost from like a New York Times article in 2018. Um, in direct primary care, the average cost of membership is somewhere around $65 monthly, less for children. And then we don't, in direct primary care, we don't um, mandate that you have insurance. You can 
be a member of our practice without having insurance. That's awesome. So you've talked a little bit about why patients might want to choose direct primary care. Can you speak for a moment about why a physician might want to choose to practice in this type of model and maybe elaborate on why you specifically chose direct primary care as your career path? Sure. You know, I truly believe that healthcare should be affordable and accessible for everyone. And that really drives me as a physician and as a clinician. And in my practice, in a, as a resident, I just saw that we shut so many people out of the system. And it really broke my heart to see our front desk staff turn people away because they were uninsured. And that was so frustrating for me as a doctor. I wanted to take care of people regardless of their insurance coverage. I also was drowning in the amount of work that I had to do on my computer to take care of my patients, where I was spending more than half of my time with a patient putting their information into the computer and less than half of my time actually taking care of my patient in person, talking to them, telling them that I cared about them and coaching them through their health problems. And I really went into medicine to spend time with patients and not time with my computer. So in the direct primary care model, um, we really only need about 500 patients to make this work. If you have 500 patients paying you about $60 a month, you can make a really good income and cover your overhead as a DPC doctor. In the fee-for-service model, typical doctor has 2,500 patients, and they see about 25 patients a day. So you're really running on this treadmill in medicine, and it feels like there's no escape, um, simply because you have way too much work to do, and it becomes unsustainable, and doctors start to burn out and uh, feel the crushing weight of all that work on them. This has reminded me of, in your TED Talk, you had that really great analogy of, of uh, sand falling through your, your fingers and, and just as patients are falling through the cracks and you, sometimes you might forget details about their life and that might lead to certain mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. but at, and I really love that analogy. But at the same time, um, remember during our orientation, you also talked about uh, an analogy of burnout, burnout and you were kind of getting towards that right now. Um, but could you talk about how, um, I guess in your experience, um, you, you were saying you were getting a little bit overwhelmed with during your, uh, you know, in a standard fee-for-service model. Um, and how, how, is you, how has your experience after you switched to direct primary care um, helped you in combating burnout as a physician yourself? Um, what specific things did you feel like were the biggest game changers on that, in that regard? Sure. A few things changed. Uh, one is I had an hour with my patients for each visit. So I have 500 patients. I see about five patients each day. I typically schedule them for 30 minutes or one hour, which means I can fully listen to them. I don't have to cut them off because I'm pressed for time. I can just let them talk sometimes for 20 minutes. And then I can take my time and ask them insightful questions. I can think about things. I can look up things on my computer and show them a YouTube video of how to you know, rinse out their sinus cavities if they're allergies are flaring up. I can do these things with my patient that I never had time for in the fee-for-service gig because I was always running on that treadmill. So that changed. Just the ability to practice medicine on my own terms. Just That's the simplest statement. Uh, and I'm no longer practicing medicine on the terms of the electronic medical record foisted upon us from the hospital system or from the mega EMR companies. And also, like you'll have uh, an administrator at your clinic who tells you, oh, you have to see 15 patients this half day and 
12 patients in the second half of the day. And if you don't, you're not going to meet your quota, which means you won't get paid this, that, and the other thing. So I don't have any of that. I just take care of my patients. And in turn, my patients take care of me. Um, I had my, some of my patients just text me during the pandemic and ask, Hey, how are you holding up through all this? Like that was amazing. Nobody in the fee for service gig cared about how I felt as a physician because it was, felt like such a machine where, um, the relationships that I have with my patient now are very human. And, uh, I get to take care of people on their own terms and they see me as not only a doctor, but also a person. Yeah, I love that. And I remember when you gave a talk at the medical school and used a analogy of light bulbs going out to explain burnout. And basically what you said was if you're in a room and all of the light bulbs go out at one time, as an example of the healthcare system where most of our primary care physicians are burned out, you wouldn't blame it on a single light bulb or a single physician. You would say something's wrong with the system and therefore, you know, we need alternative models such as direct primary care to kind of work through that and figure out a different way to practice medicine. Yeah. I, I love that analogy and it's so apropos. I mean, I just read a statistic the other day. It was something like 63% of family physicians experience burnout every year. Um, and some 54% of all physicians experience burnout each year. And if you're looking at burnout as a critical issue in medicine, which I believe it is, um, you would not ask what's wrong with the individual doctor. You'd ask what's wrong with the system and see what you can change in that system to help your physicians help their patients. So kind of going along this, um, when when did you start to learn about the business side of medicine? (laughs) Um, Well, we... As a part of family medicine residency training, I'll give the, um, them credit. In, in the third year, you're supposed to do what's called a practice management rotation. And we were given this assignment in this one-month practice management rotation where we had to write a business plan for a medical clinic, and they had interpreted it as you know, a fee-for-service clinic. But I took it as an opportunity to write a business plan for a direct primary care practice. And so I wrote my business plan for a DPC practice in March um, 2016 during my practice management rotation. And I read a bunch of business books. I read about uh, every week, I read a new business book that first year I started. And then since that time, I've read a new business book every other week just to learn from leaders, uh, physicians, business people, how to practice medicine and, and earn money and grow a business. Like some of my favorite books are from non-physicians like um, uh, Shoe Dog, I believe that's Phil Knight, wrote that, just how he started Nike. Or Gary Vaynerchuk wrote Crush It, all about how to uh, market yourself as a person and as a business. Um, and these, these learnings from outside sources really helped me grow my business and feel comfortable and understand that uh, business isn't really complicated. You don't need an MBA to be a good business person uh, because business really comes down to relationships with people, how you treat other people, how you take care of other people. Um, that's the essence of business. And, and I really truly believe that if you um, choose something like a primary care specialty because you enjoy spending time with people, you'll be great as a business person. Yeah, I love that. So when you were learning about business and starting your practice, did you have any financial or logistical concerns 
to start your practice? And maybe if not, what were some of your biggest roadblocks working through starting your DPC practice? Yeah, I definitely had financial roadblocks because like the average student in uh, 2013 when I graduated from medical school, I had $170,000 in student loan debt. I think fast forward to 2019, it was $195,000 was the average student loan debt from graduating medical students. And that's a big burden because you want to sign, you know, that, that's why doctors sign the contract with the large hospital systems because you want to have that security of being able to pay down your student loans. Um, but I didn't do that. I started my business and I did it by more or less bootstrapping and also leveraging some different grants and investing in my business. So I put maybe 10 or $15,000 of my own money into the business. I won a grant competition for uh, $7,500. It was like a pitch competition. And then also I got an investment from a family member for $5,000. And all of that investment allowed me to start up. And then I went out and uh, started seeing patients, started generating revenue. And once I generated enough revenue, I qualified for a loan from Wells Fargo for about $30,000 and had enough money to operate uh, comfortably. And since that time, I've just steadily grown my revenue and I've won a few more grants and a few more pitch competitions to help me grow the business overall. So what would you say um, to hesitant family medicine doctors who are thinking about going into DPC? Because um, you, just, you just wrote a book called Startup DPC, How to Grow in Your Direct Primary Care Practice. Um, so let's just say there was a, a family medicine doctor who's really interested in what would be your like top two or three things you would tell them? Yeah, if, if you believe in yourself and your ability to deliver medicine on your own terms, if you're uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable and pushing yourself in a direction that you might not have necessarily thought you would have to go, um, and if you can do that while balancing you know, clinical responsibilities and running a business, I think going into the direct primary care model is an excellent choice. And beyond that, you get to take back medicine on your own terms. You get to practice how you want to practice. You get to deliver um, affordable, accessible care to your community where it may not even exist. And you'll be able to help people on a level that you never knew was possible. You know, the people who thank me uh, from their heart for the the services that we provide at our clinic. And I think, you know, sometimes I get numb to it, you know, it's, but it is, can be life-changing for individuals and families who are dealing with high blood pressure or diabetes that feels out of control. And you could be the doctor that helps them get things back into control and get things manageable for them. Now, do you think there is a future in this model of direct primary care in other specialties? Or do you think, you know, what do you think the future is for direct primary care? Yeah, I think uh, direct primary care could easily take over 20% of the marketplace. Currently, only 1.5% of family physicians are practicing in the direct primary care model. I could see that easily going up to 20% over the next 10 to 20 years. As the model grows, as more people hear about it, as more people understand it, as more patients demand it from their communities, community physicians, more and more doctors will be providing this sort of care. Um, we've seen other successful specialists take this on. Uh, there's a rheumatologist that does it, a few dermatologists. Um, it may not be for everyone. I think there's some good, you know, in the truest sense of the word, 
fee-for-service operations. Like if you look up the Surgical Center of Oklahoma, they have a surgical center and they provide cash pricing for all of their operations. So you could transparently look at what operation you might want to get and go for, let's say, a cholecystectomy, you know, removing the gallbladder, and it's $3,500 on their website or a, a joint replacement that might might be $6,000. You know, you can see other specialists adopting this cash pay model. And I'm hoping that the more doctors that do this, the lower the price points will be driven down uh, in our healthcare system overall. So do you think this more cash-based model is what we're going to see spring up in the future? Do you think this is a way uh, we should go moving forward? Well, I think the insurance companies leave us no choice. How many people do you know now with a deductible that's $7,000 a year, $6,950. And you're paying, let's say $300 a month uh, for a very basic health insurance plan with a $7,000 deductible. So then if you pay out of pocket, let's say $50 a month, that's $600 a year to be one of our patients. And we do some basic blood work and it costs you $30 a year for your blood work. Um, and I can uh, prevent you from seeing any fee-for-service doctor and prevent maybe an urgent care or an ER visit, you know, I could save you thousands of dollars in a year. And, and consumers, patients are waking up to this reality of um, the highway robbery that is health insurance and seeing through all of that um, clutter and noise and seeing health care um, and the price points therein and understanding that it is affordable if they seek out the right kind of doctor. So what, what do you feel is um, the biggest hurdle for everyone trying to move into this cash-based model? Say, say specifically doctors who practice in surgical specialties. I think that, that to me seems like the hardest transition because of the reliance on a lot of equipment, specialty equipment, things that like, are otherwise quite expensive because of, of, I guess, the biotech industry or the medical device industry. Sure. Yeah, I, I certainly can't solve all of those problems. I know that it costs a lot of money to open ophthalmology practice. You're talking about maybe a million or $2 million to buy all the equipment needed for an uh, ophthalmology practice. And I think health insurance has its place in some instances. What I'm really talking about is primary care and how we as primary care physicians can take back medicine. Um, because if you think about insurance as a construct, we have home insurance, but we really insure for catastrophes like floods, fires, etc. Um, you don't go to your home insurance provider uh, for painting your house or remodeling your kitchen. Um, you pay for cash on the marketplace because you know that you're going to get a fair deal if you pay with cash in the marketplace. In health insurance, we, I don't think that you should go to your health insurance company for your routine everyday care, um, such as your primary care. And if you buy directly through a physician, you're going to get a more fair price and better service and higher quality because the physician is incentivized to give great service and high quality care because patients are paying cash directly to them. It removes those middlemen and barriers and uh, makes the transaction more pure. And so you know, the barriers to doctors who are starting this, you know, primary care doctors, um, they really have to lean into marketing themselves and understanding how to present themselves to their audience as credible, authentic, caring, et cetera. 
and leveraging social media platforms and other methods to do that is a, is a skill that you need to learn. And that's basically why I wrote the book is to help doctors navigate these processes. They need to learn how to write a business plan and how to leverage capital. You know, when we say OPM or other people's money, like from banks or investors or grants, et cetera. And they have to learn how to use those resources to build their practice. Again, I read about that extensively in my book. And then they also need to, how to, to learn how to uh, uh, negotiate with vendors like lab companies, imaging centers, um, medication wholesalers, et cetera, to get a, the best deal for their patients. And again, I read about all of this and more uh, extensively in that book that you mentioned earlier, Startup DPC, How to Start and Grow Your Direct Primary Care Practice. So now that you've got your practice up and running, what are some of your goals for the next five, 10 years for your specific practice, Plum Health? Yeah, I mean, our, our mission is to deliver affordable, accessible healthcare in Detroit and beyond. And right now we're really working on that beyond point. Um, we have two doctors here in the city. We just hired a third doctor. It's her first day that she's starting up in Farmington Hills. And we're really excited about that. Um, so we're getting her all set up and making sure that all our I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, and so we're going to keep on expanding and keep on serving people where they need it. We've had a lot of demand from a lot of patients from all over. Hey, can you do this in Ann Arbor? Or can you do this in Rochester? Or can you do this in St. Clair Shores or whatever? And so we're going to do what we can to provide people with affordable and accessible health care. And that will probably look like three or four clinics across the Metro Detroit region over the next few years um, uh, with maybe six to 10 doctors in that time. Uh, serving people in this way. And it's pretty exciting because nobody's done something like this before. And um, I'm excited to take on this challenge and solve problems for people in the community. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love how you're kind of branching out and, and kind of being a trailblazer a little bit in the primary care world. Um, if Thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. If somebody else wants to learn more information about you specifically or about direct primary care, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can check out our website. Um, if you're a patient, plumhealthdpc.com. That DPC is for direct primary care. And then if you're a physician, you want to learn more, we're up at we're at startupdpc.com. That's startupdpc.com. I have some courses. I've got the book there. I have some blog posts where doctors can learn more about how to start and grow their direct primary care practices. Um, and then if you just want to talk to me, give me a call, 313 444 five, six, three, zero that dials, um, our office during the day and then my cell phone after hours. So you can hit me up and ask me any questions that you got. I love helping medical students and residents learn more about this. I love helping my physician colleagues, uh, convert their practices to DPC because, um, you see the spark go on, you see the joy in medicine come back. And, and we really, uh, wanted to thank you for coming and speaking with us today. Uh, we like to close our interviews, um, with, uh, a question. So what are three things that you would suggest for growing medical leaders? It doesn't have to be related um, to PPC, just in general, because you, you seem to be someone leading your field. So what would like, what are three sure. things that your life along your career? Have? Yeah, I think doctors really need to lean into the business of medicine. For too long, we've just signed the contract and washed our hands of it. And, you know, we go along to get along. We don't like controversy. And we want to get our loans paid down and 
do that as easily as possible. But I think if we want to retake medicine for doctors and for patients, we really need to lead in, lean into leadership roles in our hospitals. We need to become the hospital administrators and take back those positions from the MBAs of the world who are you know, running amok in our profession. And it's imperative that we do this, that we lead care delivery, because we can really shape how patients are cared for in a meaningful uh, way um, that's authentic, that's caring, that's focused on the patient and the physician, and not on metrics and not on electronic medical records. Um, so that's the biggest takeaway. So if you, if you can learn about money, if you can read business books, if you can read management and leadership books, this can help you understand what it takes to be a leader like this and to help us take back the profession for our patients and for physicians. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Dr. Paul Thomas. It's been a pleasure having you on and hopefully our listeners were able to learn a lot about leadership and then also direct primary care. Hey, thanks for having me on and uh, everybody keep up the great work. I know it's a tough thing to become a physician, a lot of long hours, but stick with it. And uh, if you need any help along the way, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading the Rounds. We hope you learned something new or got a thought you can reflect on to further your own leadership development. If you like our content, please subscribe and follow. We work to put out a new episode every other week. You can also connect with us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Leading the Rounds, or email us at leadingtherounds at gmail.com. See you next time on Leading the Rounds. Thank you.